This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. Welcome to it. It's another edition of the Kona Edge, a big weekend uh, coming up this weekend as well as we record this and, and release it. The Ironman 70.3 World Championships taking place down under in Australia. I've got a couple of mates who are down there. Unfortunately, I'm not down there, uh, but I'll be racing vicariously through others, as uh, I think many people are. But uh, it looks like it's going to be uh, an incredible weekend of racing. It looks like a, a wonderful venue. I've heard some great reports about the bike course, and uh, it looks like it's going to be awesome. So best of luck to everybody who is traveling uh, to Australia. If you're there already, I hope you've settled in and ready to smash it this coming weekend. So uh, looking forward to that. But uh, on today's episode of the Kona Edge, a slightly uh, different podcast in, in the sense that uh, our guest raced as an age grouper, as everyone on this podcast uh, has done on the Big Island, but he's subsequently turned professional. And I get asked that question many, many times from age groupers, and I think a lot of age groupers uh, think about it. What would happen if they turned pro? And it's, uh, it's an interesting chat, and I hope you are going to enjoy it today. We head to Colorado in the United States to catch up with Trip Hipple, who's got a, a pretty cool story, and uh, yeah, his journey's been pretty interesting. So a slightly different take today on the Cone Edge. I really enjoyed the chat. And I think you might as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch too, uh, let me know your thoughts uh, of the podcast or if there's any questions you have or uh, any ideas. If you know someone who you think we should chat to on the podcast, you can pop me an email. My email address is brad at com. It's as simple as that. Go straight to my inbox, brad at com. Be in touch. I love hearing from you. Let me know where you, where you listen to the podcast, if it's on your indoor train or on your bike. Uh, and yeah, you can tweet us or pop us a message on Facebook as well. Uh, send us some pics. I'd love to know where you're listening, uh, where you're listening to uh, this podcast. So uh, yeah, tweet us at the Kona Edge or find us on Facebook. But without further ado, let's get straight into today's uh, podcast with Trip Hipple. <laughs> We head to Denver in Colorado now. We're joined by Trip Hipple. Trip, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Kona Edge today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Trip, uh, you literally almost on exactly the opposite end of the, the world to where I'm sitting right now, Denver, Colorado. It's a, it's a great place to, to train. I know Boulder, which is, in the greatest scheme of things, it's not just around the corner, but uh, Colorado's got some great training. A lot of endurance athletes base themselves there. It's a, it's a, it's a great place to be. It is a great place to be, and I was just looking at the time difference. It's nine in the evening where you are, so I still have quite a bit of day <laughs> to get out and do some more training here. But yeah, this is a it's a great place. Like you said, I live in Denver, and I'm about forty minutes away from Boulder um, if traffic is good. So Denver itself, there are a lot of endurance athletes around. Typically, there's more runners and swimmers that live here in Denver rather than triathletes. Um, most of the triathletes, especially the, the top folks, uh, definitely choose Boulder to live and train. So it's great to be nearby, though. I'm sure. Trip, where did your journey into, into triathlon start? Well, I, I originally was a springboard diver and a gymnast growing up and um i did that all the way through high school um when i went to university i had the opportunity to dive uh, potentially on a scholarship in new york and i turned that down because i 
I didn't really like diving that much. Um, I enjoyed the competition and learning how to do the dives, but it just came to the point where I think I had my fill and mentally it's a very challenging sport to deal with the new challenges that come along. So all that to say, I, I got to university and I've always been into sports, uh, skateboarding and snowboarding were other sports that I loved and I still love those sports. Um, so extreme sports, I think were in my blood to begin with. So got to university and realized I got out of shape <laughs> I missed sports. And I began running. Uh, my mother was a runner just for, uh, recreationally. She did it for fun. Um, and I saw that and I didn't really know about running. I mean, it's such a, a vast sport and there's so many different avenues that you can take, but I think endurance wise, I, I found that going out just even three, three mile runs or 5k runs, 10k runs, um, seemed to make me feel really good. And I love the adventure that I kind of would go through on every different run that I would partake in. So, um, I did that through college. And then once I got out of college, I had a friend that, uh, was a triathlon coach and he himself was in, in the Olympic distance, um, part of the sport. And he started coaching me and that's pretty much where it started. And that was about four or five years ago. So, and as they say in the classics, the rest is all history. You sucked in hook, line and sinker. <laughs> yes. Like so many people, uh, it's addictive and it's just the people that are within the sport and, the feeling that you get of accomplishment, all of that just wrapped up into one makes it such an incredible thing to be a part of. And it's a great journey to be on. Do you think that's what makes it addictive? Uh, is, is it those things or, or is it something <laughs> else for you that, that keeps you coming back for more? What is it? I mean, I'm addicted. Uh, I just I don't think I can put my finger <laughs> on, on, on what it is. Yeah, and that's a tricky term. Um, I think used in the right context, addiction is, a good thing, um, which I think for for ninety nine percent of us that are doing anything that we love, especially a hobby, um, it just there's some reward that we get out of it. Whether it's pushing ourselves, and then you see the outcome of that in a race, or um, you're tired and you push through that spot, that low patch, and you feel great. So, yeah, I think the the addicting part is what you get out of it, and Sometimes it's hard to see that when you're training and you're tired or you don't necessarily feel like doing a specific session. But then once you're done and you realize, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, I think that's the beautiful side of it that we are all able to take part in. You talk about being a diver and, and, and that sort of thing. That <laughs> takes a ton of discipline. Do you think that having that discipline growing up has, has helped in your, your triathlon endeavors? Uh, yes, I do believe so. I, I am disciplined. I, I train a lot on my own. Um, and I, I guess it's funny you ask that. I haven't really thought about how it really corresponds. But, I mean, diving, all the sports I've done, gymnastics, diving, skateboarding, snowboarding, they're all individual. So I've always done an individual sport. And I think now, obviously, I'm older i'm an adult i'm 29 years old and i've learned kind of what my routines are and my habits and i've learned how to hone those skills and it takes a long time 
to do that, to be disciplined. Um, but I enjoy that. I think that's another part of it that I like. I mean, I go to bed early, I wake up early, I eat well, I, I train well, listen to my coach. Um, all of that comes into play and discipline is a huge part. So yeah, I think as a diver, I didn't think about all those other little parts, the nutrition and uh, all the training, but I think mentally that's ingrained in the brain from a young age and many of us keep that going through our adult years. So, Trip, as far as doing the longer stuff, the, the Ironman distance triathlon, I mean, you mentioned uh, that mate of yours who, who sort of helped get you into the sport was doing Olympic distance races. Where did the, the love for the long stuff come from? That's a great question. Um, I, I think when I began running and I read books, um, the lore of running, <laughs> which you probably oh, know about. Enough. Yeah, with Dr. Prof. Tim Noakes, yep. Yeah, Dr. Tim Noakes. Um, that was one of the first books on running I ever had, and I read through it. And the the part where they where he describes uh, the different athletes and their different distances. He talks about Mark Allen in depth, and but he also talks about Bruce Fordyce and these other folks that were incredible endurance athletes. So to me, the challenge seemed like a, a fun thing to pursue. And um, I mean, that's something I'm, I'm still learning every day as I train, especially longer workouts. Um, but I went straight in pretty much to longer distance. And I think with me, I, I realistically knew since I didn't grow up doing the shorter distance work, swimming obviously was not a strong suit for me. Um, running, which you need to have some fast leg speed if you're going to do the Olympic distance. Um, I didn't have that to start out with. And the longer stuff, you can kind of get away with just grinding it out and going a little bit slower, but you can still have a great race. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to that. The, I think the distance itself, especially the Ironman distance, when you think about the day, eight, nine, 10 hours of exercise, uh, versus two hours or so for the Olympic, why not just spend eight to 10 hours exercising if you can and get, um, a lot more satisfaction out of that. So, Yeah. It's so funny you you mentioned the law of running. I, I just tell you a quick aside. I I grew up in a house, and obviously you've read the book, so you know about uh, that that uh, little ultra marathon we have here in South Africa called the Comrades Marathon. Uh, and and I grew yep. I grew up in a household with my dad who who used to run Comrades every year. And one of the first sporting books I remember reading as a kid, I must have been eight nine <laughs> years old, was the Law of Running. It was almost as tall as I am. That book is so big. Uh, but yeah, fascinating, fascinating read. But that's a, a total total aside. Let's talk about the attraction to Iron Man that keeps you coming back. Because let's be honest, uh, as much as the first one is really enjoyable, they they hurt. They they uh, <laughs> they take a yeah. lot out of you. What what keeps you coming back? What's so special about Iron Man? Well, so um, I've done I think three or four full distance Ironmans, and so I'm this year I'm racing professionally for the first time, and. Uh, the first Ironman I did was Texas uh, a few years ago. And there's something about just ending, getting done with the thing that you, like I said, you realize that you've been on the move for eight or 10 hours or so. And 
I mean, you could still, at least for me, I could still keep going if I wanted to. And that to me is incredible. Just what the, the human body is created to do. Um, if you put it to its, uh, put it to the test. So I think that's in large, a big part of it. Um, but now racing in my first year as a professional, um, I'm going to do my first full distance Ironman, which is Arizona at the end of November. And I want to see how fast I can go on the training that I've put in over this past year. And I'm really excited, nervous, um, kind of anxious about all of that just to see how it unfolds. But that distance to me is, it's just more suitable. I like the half Ironman distance too. Um, but I'm built, I'm more muscular. I'm a little bit more compact. Um, I'm not very tall. So running and, and biking that distance to me is, it's a great fit. So I think that's why I want to give it a good crack and see how we go. <laughs> Trip, before we get on to your, your Kona experience, I want to touch on, on you deciding to turn pro. Obviously, you raced in, in Kona last year. You got a, you got a top 10 you, in your age group. You finished, you finished seventh. You, you've, you've decided uh-huh. to turn professional. I know a lot of age groupers toy with that, where they, they think, you know what, I'm pretty good at this. I wonder if I could make it. And, <laughs> and you've obviously taken that step. Tell me about the decision to... To, to make the decision to go pro, it, it can't be an easy one. So, yes, it's it was easy but hard at <laughs> all at the same time. Um, so I, I work with Jesse Kropelnicki, who's with QT2 Systems, and um, I had been with his coaching company um, before, and I was not working with him the last two years. Um, so as an amateur, uh, I got really just disciplined as we'd mentioned. And, um, I I wanted to see kind of what I was made of and how far I could go within the ranks. Um, and certain Ironmans I did a lot better. Kona is a hard race, uh, to deal with because of the heat and all of the, the hoopla that goes on leading into the race. But, um, I think I knew that I probably was going to reach the ceiling of my abilities if I, stayed within the amateur ranks and I talked it over with my coach and we figured, yes, this would be a good idea to, to pursue the professional license. And so what we did, um, I do, I did have a full-time job at the time. I work part-time now. It's a family company. Um, so my father is my boss, which is a, a huge <laughs> blessing, really. <laughs> it, it must come with its own um, set of challenges too, though. It does. And <laughs> I mean, I, I'm responsible to him and I, and to the company to do my part. Um, and I, I take pride in that. So yeah, going part-time, it's been tough financially. Um, I, you know, have to be very frugal and that's taken discipline as well. (laughs) There's a lot of discipline that goes into it, but honestly, it's been a huge, um, a huge reward just seeing the ins and outs of, how pros race and lining up to just amazing people. Um, some of the races I have not done too well <laughs> so far racing professionally, especially the half Ironmans because I'm learning. I mean, each race is a learning experience and I, that's how I look at it. I don't put pressure on myself to perform a certain way. I look at it as, okay, this year, especially the first professional year, it's about learning the ins and outs, of how to race these people that have been doing this for X amount of years. And that to me, I think 
looking down the road will pay off in the next two or three years. So I think the, the easy part is, um, about it is it just makes sense with, I'm, like I said, a 29, not married. So I, I have some room, um, don't have a lot of, uh, commitments or re- responsibility outside of work and sport. So that made it easy. So <laughs> it's been a good choice. Um, it's just, it's real now. I mean, I'm racing, racing the best in the world. What's been the biggest surprise to you from the step up the level of, of performance uh, from a from a, a top age group, uh, that, that sort of group to, to that professional rank? Has that gap been bigger than you thought it was? What surprised you about it? Yes, yeah, so there's a lot to it. I think each discipline, the swim, the bike, and the run, all hold their own gaps. And it's just incredible now because I'm competing against guys and girls <laughs> uh, if they're fast enough that have been doing the sport for a lot longer than I have. Um, so they, and they come typically from a background either from swimming, running or cycling, which I don't. So it does, it does not give me an excuse, but it just has made me figure out that I need to work harder um, and really devote time to specific techniques and, um, nutrition and all of that. So, yeah, I think what I've observed is just how, how much these other people put on the line when they're racing. I mean, it's incredible to see, let's say Lionel Sanders ride by at a certain pace or wattage on the bike. And it's just like, I'm standing still. It's amazing. It's like a work of art (laughs) flying down the road. So anyway, it's motivating. Um, honestly, it's just motivating. It makes me work harder and makes me focus more in my own training. Um, but also with my coach, we can talk about those things and set realistic goals, uh, for these next few years. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have intentions of winning major races right now. That's not my intention. I'm just here to learn, but to push myself at the same time and learn from the best. So yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great time to be in the sport because of how uh, the competition is changing. So, You talk of learning from the best. Who do you look up to? Who, who do you really admire in the sport? Uh, definitely Lionel Sanders has been a good example to me. We're about the same age, and obviously his story and his background is um, inspiring, but his work ethic to me makes more sense because I have a similar work ethic. And I think mentally I understand kind of how he works. Um, also obviously Sebastian Keenley and Jan Ferdino, the top guys. Um, but even, you know, females, women that I know, Angela Nath has been very influential, um, in my development, I suppose you can call it, uh, with, you know, being a professional and how to go about, learning the ropes and all of that. So now there's, there's a lot of people that are in the sport, even Kyle Buckingham, which I know he's South Mm -hmm. African, but even him coming up through the ranks and he, he just won an Ironman a few weeks ago. I think it was the second win, but it just, to me, cements the fact that I can do that too. You know, there's nothing holding me back from being able to win an Ironman or go to Hawaii as a professional at some point. So, yeah, 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Kyle because uh, I actually know Kyle from back here, which is which is quite interesting too. And you look at the way he's come up, and uh, I mean, he had a, a fantastic performance at Kona as as an age grouper. His his last year as an age grouper, then he turned pro and he struggled a bit, but he's he's really starting to 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 make real good strides. And it's like you say, you almost need to learn the ropes. It doesn't for some it does happen or for or really like overnight, but for for most to turn pro, it doesn't. It's a it's a process. Oh yeah, it's it is a process, and I think. If I were honest, and if many others were completely honest, that's why we do it, because of the process. You put in the work. I think Ben Hoffman said it once on a different podcast that it's a linear relationship. You put in the work, you're going to see the results, which I 100% agree with, because <laughs> I see it every week in my own training, and I know people go through the same experiences. So it is about the process, and I think also not getting too wrapped up in results or comparing ourselves versus other people. It just doesn't work out that way where everyone's so different and their stories and their backgrounds are so different that we're, you know, each so unique in how we pursue it and how our bodies work that it makes it very individual, individualistic. So, yeah, and, and we also at different points on that timeline. I mean, someone might look like they're far ahead. Exactly. But, uh, you, and, and we also progress along that timeline at different speeds. So, like you say, so difficult to compare yourself. But let's go back and, and, and talk about Kona and where the decision first came and the, the seed was planted to, to try and qualify for, for the big dance. Where, where, did that, where did that all start? <laughs> well, I didn't know too much about Kona um, before I went there for the first time. So I, I've been there twice. I think it was 2014 and 2015. I did my first Ironman, which is Ironman Texas in 2013. And I qualified that year and I didn't take the spot because I, I didn't have, I think it was because I didn't have the money to pay it up front, but I, I didn't want to go. It didn't seem appealing to me at the time. So I turned the spot down and uh, just kept doing the sport. It was more for fun. I, I didn't, it wasn't as uh, serious as I take it, obviously, now, but um, I just kept grinding away and <clears throat> went back to Texas the next next two years and then went twice. Um, so that's really where the seed got planted. I think that the first year that I really took notice was 2000, I think it was 2013 when, when Luke McKenzie got second place. Um, I just remember seeing him in that amazing green outfit on uh, Queen K running. I just thought it was the, the coolest thing ever because he looked so cool in his hat and his glasses. So I think that kind of set it in stone that, hey, I want to go there. This place is cool. These people look cool and they're having kind of having some fun out there. Um, so yeah, that's when it took place. So I'd say 2013. Cool. Trip, if I could ask you just to move around, if you wouldn't mind that, we just seem to lose a bit of signal there on the on the call. But 2013, then obviously you went and, and you raced it twice. Was it was it everything you expected it to be? I mean, there's there's so much sort of like there's this mythical feeling about the Big Island. I mean, once you're there and you've qualified, does it does it really sort of consume you and, and get into your blood that you keep wanting to go back? Uh, yes. And, and no. So, I mean, for me personally, um, I mean, the mythical side of it, I, I don't really see it that way. It's just an Island with <laughs> that's hot and it's 
it's beautiful in Kona, but once you're out on that highway, it's not the place that you uh, really want to be exercising because of how hot and it's barren. I mean, it's pretty ugly out on the highway, but the, the lore of, of being in that town and seeing all of the fittest people in the world in one place is pretty incredible in itself. Um, so I think the yes part about it is it's an amazing place to experience a race. Um, it's difficult, it's hard, it's brutal, um, but it's very rewarding if you do well. Um, but the scary part now is qualifying as a professional. Uh, I mean, that's a whole different ball game. So I look at it different now. Um, I think now it's, it is more of, it is almost more mythical, I guess, to get there professionally because of how difficult that actually is. So, um, it's changed over the, the last few years and how I look at it. As far as what you're struggling with now as an athlete, I mean, what's your biggest sort of frustration at the moment? What are you working on to try and get better at? Oh, everything, of course. Um, it's definitely swimming is the, the main key. And um, like I said, I grew up diving, so I was around the pool. I was a swimmer for a while growing up, too. I just didn't like swimming because it hurt. <laughs> it hurt to sprint. And it's just putting in the time, the yardage, the meters. Um, it, it's going to take a few years to get up to the front pack level in a lot of these races. Um, but we're also, my coach and I, Jesse are working on my run. Has it been another limiting factor? I just, I'm not as durable as I will be in, in the years to come. So we're putting in carefully putting in miles and, um, doing a lot of tempo runs and long runs to get the legs in the right place. So I think frustration wise, it's how do I compete with, you know, these X, Y, and Z, these people that have been doing this for this amount of years. Um, and how can I best prepare myself for these races without getting injured or, or sick or whatnot? So, yeah. You, you mentioned your coach. Uh, coaching has been obviously a part of your life for a long, long time, even even from the diving uh, and <laughs> gymnastics uh, part of your, your sporting career. Did, did you get a coach straight up when you started triathlon or did you try and sort of find your way first on your own and then, then transition across? So, uh, as I mentioned, I had a friend that um, my sister, I have an older sister, and she and I went to high school with um, my friend named Ryan, and he was into triathlon, and he started coaching just to make some money on the side. And ironically, she, my sister told me, hey, you should contact him about triathlon, and that's when I didn't know what triathlon was at that point. So I contacted him, and uh, we got to talking. It sounded like fun. So, yes, to answer your question quickly, basically I have been coached the whole time through, um, which for me is of utmost value. Uh, I don't know how personally I cannot do this alone without that supervision or guidance. Um, there's too much going at risk or too much to think about that I want my coach to tell me what to do and I'll do it in the proper amounts and durations and intensities. So I leave it to the coach to tell me what to do. <laughs> what, what's important for you to look for in a coach? I mean, if you, you're looking for a coach, what, what are the, the characteristics or the, the, the sort of, what, what would you want? What, what do you think is important in a coach? 
first and foremost, trust is the key piece to a coach. And I mean, I trust my coach a hundred percent. Um, Jesse has been around the sport for a long time, has coached multiple Ironman champions and Kona qualifiers. Um, <clears throat> but personally on the same level, you know, I trust him as a person. He trusts me and I trust the plan that he puts in front of me. Um, I think secondly, you have to look at, are the workouts realistic? Does it fit? Are, is the coach telling me, you know, is it going to fit my schedule and fit my lifestyle, especially as an amateur? Cause amateurs are way busier than a pro typically. I mean, <laughs> amateurs work a lot more. They have a lot more stresses in life that have to be attended to, um, which I know firsthand because that's how I was in the amateur field, working more and trying to fit in the training. So a coach needs to be there uh, providing you workouts and providing support, but also they need to be there to be a sounding board as far as the athlete's concern and questions. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to that, but I think trust and – and the coach knowing what they're doing is first and foremost. Trip, as far as somebody starting out in the sport, I mean, we've got a lot of people who listen to this podcast who have done a few Ironmans or, 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 or have qualified or trying to qualify for Kona, but we've also got a big group of people who are, are just getting started in the sport. If you could go back and, and talk to yourself as you were getting started, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Ooh, I love this question. Um, this is a good one. I, I think if I could go back and tell myself, I think first and foremost, it would be to not take it too seriously and to continue having fun and enjoying that process that we talked about. Um, I think there, triathlon's funny because all the, the bikes, the, the glitz and the glamour, there's a lot of money <laughs> that people have that go into the sport and buy the best gear and, and whatnot and try to look a certain way. I think a lot of that is very superficial and it's about the individual. So being secure in who you are as a person is monumental because you're not that person or this person, you are who you are and you have to deal with what you've been given. So I think going back, um, it's about trying not to push it too hard too soon. Um, especially Ironman racing. If you're not fit, it's, it takes a lot out of you, even if you are fit, but it's different. It's just, there's a lot of fatigue there. So you have to be conscientious, conscientious of recovery and going easy on easy days and going hard on the hard days. But recovery is another piece of the pie that needs to be well taken care of. What's the biggest lesson Iron Man's taught you? The biggest lesson? Yep. Um, I would say you do get out of it what you put in, that it's a very honest um, endeavor. And the the outcome, whether it's a bad race or a good race, there's always things that you can do better or cannot do better. I mean, there's so many different aspects of, of racing, even a short distance triathlon. They're all so different, but you get out of it what you put in. So if you are going to pursue, especially the Ironman distance, um, just be realistic. And I think for me that that's been the biggest 
um, piece that I, I've learned about it, that it's a tough distance and it takes a lot out of the body, especially the training going into it, but it's so worth it. And it's inspiring to people around you as well. People look at that as a huge accomplishment and it is. So yeah, it's worth, worth all the investment. What do you still want to achieve in the sport? Well, I would, I'd love to win an Ironman, uh, one of these years. And I just want to continue kind of seeing what I am made of pushing different buttons in my own training. Um, I mean, like I said, my coach and I have a specific plan on how to go about doing that. And I completely trust that it's going to happen, uh, that I will be able to achieve winning certain races. And I think also I want to be able to race those top competitors. Cause to me, that's inspiring. Um, and I, I just don't see much value of staying at the bottom of the ranks <laughs> for too long. So I'm, I'm working on expediting that process as fast as I can um, in a smart way. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to start winning or being on the podium on on certain races. How many, it's an interesting question, how many Ironmans do you think you've got in you physically in a year? Um, that's a good question. Probably three. Three, three seems like the, the right amount. I mean, two to me is ideal. Um, if that's cable, if that's possible, say I'm qualifying for Hawaii. Um, I mean, if you do an Ironman like Texas at the start of the year and then maybe, um, like a June or a July, early August Ironman, it's probably ideal. It's just the marathon takes so much out of the body. So I don't know. Three is probably the max four is definitely pushing it for health. Well, Trip, best of luck. <laughs> Are we going to be following your progress closely? Can't wait to see how you do go in Arizona. Best of luck for that. And uh, we look forward to to hearing how you progress and hopefully seeing you on a podium and a top step of a podium uh, very, very soon. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. This has been a great honor. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.